You are listening to Waffle, the bite-sized podcast with Paul Jenkins. First broadcast on Rossendale Radio on the 25th of October 2020. This week, Paul talks to irreverent poet Thick Richard about his new collection, Read em and Weep, the differences in performing during the Covid crisis, and his work with the likes of Kate Tempest and Six Music. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Waffle Hour, and it's me, Paul Jenkins. Uh, every week, as you know, we talk to poets, we talk to writers, we talk to screenwriters, we talk to uh, people who have written all sorts of different things, uh, educators sometimes. Uh, and it's Halloween, or Halloween is approaching, uh, and I figured I would inject a little bit of fear into my life uh, by invent- inviting on possibly the sweariest guest I think I've ever had, and he's promised not to swear. Uh, and it's also a bit of a tricky one for me because I don't know how to... Usually, you're told in radio you have to be polite to your guests. And I'm going to start by saying good afternoon, Thick Richard. How do you do? I'm doing I'm doing fine, and I feel terrible for calling you Thick before we've even introduced you properly to the listeners. But this is all right, is it not? Well, blame, blame my parents. Yeah. It, it, was this how they uh, they decided they took one look at you and went, he's a Thick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think they, they must have. Yeah, I, mean, I don't remember it, but I guess that's what happened. <laughs> is this is this fine? How how would you in general conversation? Is this like Prince? You don't really know how to describe talk to people. What's what? what Richard is fine, or, or Matt? What do you what do you want? Uh, yeah, ri- ri- uh, Richard, if you like. Let's uh, go with not? let's go Thick. with Richard. I don't mind. I'm ri- easy. Richard Thicky, whatever. We'll call you. I've been called worse. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm sure you have. Um, now we this is I, I, I'm going to give you uh, the listeners my first experience of you, uh, and then possibly you'll give a much more uh, elaborate version of, of events um I, I first came across you a couple of uh, months back now at, uh, at punk in drublick it was the first public performance i'd been to in about six months i was very wary about going out um and uh, one of the things that i experienced on that evening of spoken word poetry uh, was you shouting very loudly at me and swearing an awful <laughs> lot um it- we're in a car park in Salford. It's the the done thing, I think. Yeah, if you're hanging out in car parks in Salford as dusk comes down, you're likely to get somebody shouting at you. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and and about the the things that you do? Uh, well, you have been doing it for a long time. Uh, the old shouting at people in car parks or pubs or clubs and stuff. Mm. Um, probably about '99, I started doing it. Um, and yeah, it's all sort of like gone on since then, really. Loads of, uh, I mean, you say about the swearing thing. <laughs> I think a lot of people think that I've kind of chosen swearing as the main aspect of my personality, which, you know, isn't the case. <laughs> I've done radio stuff before. I'm like, don't worry, I cannot swear. No, I was, was going to say. I've got yeah. two children as well. Like, you know, I'm, it I'm was, well rehearsed in the not swearing. I think when it, it comes was... to material, it's like, well, what what can I do? You know. Uh, well, because you had a you had a, a show called Swear School at one point or another, didn't you? It's a sort of crash yeah. course. <laughs> that puts the, the, the message out there, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, I, I, but that was all quite a positive thing, really. If you if uh, if you ever saw it, which I guess you didn't. I, 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 I the car park in Salford sometime. Well, as you didn't bring the puppets along, as as we're apparently in that show. <laughs> Yeah, I've seen horrible puppets. Yeah. That's, that's what you need. Um, now you've uh, you've got a new uh, book coming out very soon, haven't you? Uh, yeah, tomorrow I think it's the release date. Uh, read them and weep. Yeah. Uh, now to describe the, uh, I've got the, the the cover of the book jacket in front of me. It's uh, it's essentially your good self, but uh, but a decapitated head. Uh, perfect yeah. for this time of year. <laughs> I thought I'd go for the the sort of the romantic uh, poetry uh, approach because I think this is like the first book of poetry that I've properly done. I did do another book, 
Uh, but that one feels a bit like uh, buying an album for the lyrics sheet without the album. Oh, I see. I right. didn't think that... of it so much as a book of poetry. But this one, I thought, I'll, you know, this is going to be like a proper poetry book. So I went for the, the melodramatic title, Read Them and Weep, and a nice curly, flamboyant font. And then a romantic picture of me holding my own head that I've just torn off my, my neck. Which is a romantic image because it's, uh, it's referencing uh, the picture from... Dante's Inferno, the Divine Comedy. Oh well, if you're going to uh, borrow, borrow from Dante. That's the. Well, yeah, why not? Um, <laughs> and like you know, I, th- I think it's a romantic poem because he has to walk all the way through hell, and then at the other end he meets some trollop who he really likes or something. So I've obviously not read it, but I've looked at the pictures <laughs> and pinched a bit of it. <laughs> this is the illustrated kids version of Dante's Inferno that's available in all good bookshops. I'll get it. The kids, yeah, yeah, they'll love it. It's a Christmas present, yeah. Definitely put that one in our in our Christmas toy and gift collection for the for the community. That will be that'll be wonderful. Um, just to, uh, I, I mean, I don't know how we're going to do this. Let's 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 go for it. Let's let's jump straight in. Um, you've you've got a couple of pieces, I think, that you you're able to share with us, aren't you? There's no swearing in them. There's but, no swearing. Um, promise, promise. Public health warnings and all I that. I can promise. I can promise. There's no swearing, but you know, I do like a bit of. Uh, graphic imagery. That's all right. Graphic imagery is perfectly fine at ten past five. Uh, I will put the warning out. I don't know where this is going, everybody. So, uh, if you are in the midst of maybe eating your dinner, maybe save this one and listen to the podcast later. <laughs> right? But, but in the meantime, if you're chopping up vegetables, having a knife in your hand might be might be worthwhile. I don't know. I'm going to hand over to you if that's all right. <laughs> okay, don't. This is called the story so far. The unsupervised and accidental science experiment of life on Earth has spiralled drastically out of control ever since mankind became the dominant species and declared themselves king for a day. But thanks to their narcissistic sense of self-awareness, their territorial bloodlust, their sexual obsessiveness and their hopelessly lost logic, it was only a matter of time until things went belly up. And sure enough, after a mere six million years on their hind legs, it would appear that the human race may have prematurely run its course. Song and dance funny man Michael Jackson has suffered severe life-changing injuries after trying to break into the death trap home of childhood sweetheart Macaulay Culkin. The eternally youthful Macaulay, whose will-they-won't-they relationship with Michael dominated the tabloids of the 90s, suspects something is afoot after spotting the singer sat in a van parked outside his home. Macaulay then sets about constructing a series of intricate Rube Goldberg-style booby traps around his house and waits. Later that evening, as Michael comes creeping through the bathroom window, he slips on some marbles that have been placed upon the sill previously, landing face-first in a toilet full of burning petrol. Michael flees the scene, screaming sprinting backwards into the night with his head ablaze and yet he is murdered mysteriously the following day by the doctor in the bedroom with the heart attack. Ever since the public execution of John F. Kennedy, the bullet hole has become every celebrity's must-have accessory. So when fanboy Mark Chapman shoots John Lennon dead outside of his New York apartment, Ringo Starr retaliates by assembling a posse, driving down to Las Vegas and shooting dead 27-year-old rapper Tupac Shakur. On hearing of the death of Tupac, Courtney Love panics and hires a hitman to carry out a suicide-style assassination on BBC Crime Watch presenter Jill D-A-N-D-O. D-A-N-D-O. Jill Dando's crime scene appears to be a suicide, but Crime Watch team and Nick Ross will not rest until every stone has been upturned and they eventually unravel the entire sinister and twisted plot. Struggling to come to terms with the death of his work colleague and hell-bent on revenge, Nick Ross flies a microlight aircraft into the side of the World Trade Center, killing himself and no one else. 
Talks to try and resolve the world's food shortage crisis ending chaos when US President Ronald McDonald Trump loses his temper, gives in to his greedy urges and eats US spokesperson Jerry Halliwell. But <clears throat> McDonald Trump's frenzied cannibalistic feast merely tips the scales on the Western world and Africa and half of Asia disappear beneath the heavily polluted waves. When it is told of the billions of people who have died as a consequence of its gruesome luncheon, the terrifying billionaire clown throws back its head and laughs, exposing the gaps in his teeth to be still packed with human meat. He stops laughing abruptly, turns coldly to the Dalai Lama, bukakis his face with ketchup and then tucks into his second course with nauseating relish. Uh, I'm not going to read that bit. <laughs> but are these the questions that mankind should be asking as we stumble, lost, blind, confused, dizzy, and sick into what must surely be the final chapter of this ridiculous farce? The words of the story so far float off into the galaxy like the start of a Star Wars film, and the camera pans across to a little blue dot, the poison air prison planet known intergalactically as Earth, focusing in on the area of Manchester, England, where, incarcerated in the cluster of his own home, a bespeckled Mancunian poet since hunchback over a mobile phone doing a radio show with Paul Jenkins, he suddenly takes in a sharp intake of breath and says... Thank you very much. That was called the story so far. Cheers. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed. I've had the, I've had to add the, my, my mic turned down all the way through there because everybody here in the studio has been laughing their heads off, um, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is a wonderful thing, uh, but probably would would have uh, thrown things slightly. I think the word to describe your work is irreverent. Is possibly, irreverent? yeah, yeah. Uh, there's there's no place you're not going really, is there? Nah, everything's <laughs> everything's allowed, isn't it? Really, you just got to approach it from the right angle, first of all. Absolutely, and um, we'll go into that in a little bit more detail in the next bit of the interview. We're gonna. We, 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 um, this is the problem with radio; we have to keep breaking for music in between. But luckily, you've chosen the playlist for us for the next uh, ten, fifteen minutes or so. Uh, you, yeah. Now, you've chosen three songs that I, I knew very little about, and then I've listened to, and they're they're absolute crackers. Uh, you've got the the Matles, Just tell me to start with. Any reason we've gone for that? Uh, well, Toots is uh, dead, isn't he? Yes, indeed. Of <laughs> the, the, the musicians who've died over the last few years, there was Leonard Cohen, David Bowie and Toots are the ones I was like, oh, God. <laughs> and if you're feeling sad about Leonard Cohen dying, there's tons of songs you can sit and listen to and feel fed up. But with Toots, his music is like audio sunshine. So, you know, listen to this and don't be happy it's over. Be like, don't be sad it's over be happy it's happened that's what they say isn't it? that's the one yeah. well let's let's have a listen to this two two minutes and 35 seconds of absolute bliss this is just tell me the frequency 104.7 the area rossendale valley the station rossendale radio Welcome back to the Weekend Wind Down. It's me, Paul Jenkins, with the Waffle Hour. I'm joined this afternoon by Thick Richard. Uh, and just before that, uh, that brilliant break from the uh, the Matels, uh, and just tell me, uh, we were uh, we were listening to the story so far, uh, and the story so far is a piece from your new book, Read 'em and Weep. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there you go. It's nice. It's nice when I actually get something right from time to time <laughs> on this show. Um, and uh, now I, I was having to read. It's, it's Flapjack Press. Are are uh, the publishers of the book and uh, when, when did you say the the actual official launches of it uh the the official launch of when you'd be able to buy it from like amazon and things is hmm. tomorrow and then the, the the launch sort of uh me performing bits uh is on monday the second um and then they'll put that out through the flapjack press uh facebook page and instagram 
probably uh, and you'll find it and click on it and I'll appear. Exactly. This, this was the thing when I was asking you about this and, and the, the word probably, possibly, I don't know, do they do that? that those, those came up quite a lot. Is that, is that something that as a writer, when you kind of feel like you've kind of hand over to the publisher to do this side of things, um, how is that to, to, to sort of to deal with? Because obviously, you know, you, you create this piece of work and then you you hand it over to somebody. Um, how does that work with the, the kind of promotional things? Do you have to sort of work out some kind of schedule or do they just tell you where you've got to be at which time? Um, yeah, kind of like he's going to do it this day. It'll be this time. Um, yeah, and it's all kind of there in, in their hands, that, that side of the, the launch thing. I mean, it's all really up in the air with the way things are at the minute. Yeah. Uh, normally it'd have been from Central Library and we'd have had a nice big room and people would have turned up. Um, but I think the, the shows that they've been doing, Flapjack, uh, they've been doing pretty well. They've been getting, you know, I think they've had a couple of shows where it's been a few thousand in the audience, which wouldn't have happened in, uh, no, in, uh, it, in the library room. It's, it's actually, I was going to say, because that's a, it's a brilliant um, space. If if anybody's not been to Manchester Central Library, uh, to either Word Central that Flapjack run as their, their spoken word evening, um, or uh, just to see a launch event, um, it's, it's actually a really nice space, isn't it? Uh, it you, is, yeah. It's all the- you look out. You got the backdrop of St Peter's Square behind you, and of course, it's a, you know it's a nice, nice, comfortable space with a very nice looking uh, armchair that you can sit in and and share mm. your work if you want to. Um, but <laughs> uh, but but actually, like you say, it's. I mean, how do you feel about the, the the whole kind of Zoom culture and the and the doing stuff through the screen and all the rest of it? I've done so much of good. I've done so much. Been quite awkward. Yeah. Um, and you know, I mean, I think with feedback with most gigs you'll do anywhere ever. If it goes badly, the promoter afterwards will go, "Oh no, no, it was great, it was great." Um, but you can't hear anybody from the audience, and you can see a couple of squares, and some people might be clapping or just looking fed up, or they've walked off. And it's just a picture of the living room, <laughs> um, and you know, it's it's hard to gauge how things are going on stage at a live gig, and it's really difficult to have any idea. So you just have to kind of like, uh, it's just like shouting at the telly. Which I do a lot. Because <laughs> so. I, 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 uh, obviously I've um, seen you now, uh, seen you live, but d- there was uh, there was the, the odd bit of ad libbing. Do you feel that actually that's the that's the bit that you're missing that that kind of pick up from the audience and you know particular lines that that you know they different audiences will find funny on different nights or or maybe will be offended at at, di- at different times on different nights. You know, is uh, is yeah. that is that the missing piece that we've got to get back somehow? Um, I don't know. I mean, with me, I'm quite happy to go on stage and do everything that I've got planned. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to, like, you know, bounce off the audience a bit, but if that doesn't happen at all, I'm also happy with it. But I think there's a lot of performers, especially comedians, because there's some comedians whose 50% of their act is an audience interaction. So, I, I, you know, what they fall back on, I don't know whether they just have to do more material. Uh, you know, that whole uh, who are you, where have you come from thing has gone out the window now, hasn't it? It has. It's yeah. There's uh, there's that whole. Like, I remember seeing. Uh, I think Star O'Brien uh, and and watching his show and, and essentially, like you say, fifty percent of his show at least is talking to people and finding out. You know, run, rolling out some some old standard jokes probably that he's he's got pre planned about different members of the audience. But you know, like you say, comedians will have that much more yeah. of an interaction. Whereas I suppose one of the things oh. about poetry is that you can almost start at the beginning and plow on through to the end if, if nobody's reacting. I suppose it's all premeditated. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we know exactly yeah. what you what, what we want you to feel and exactly what time thank you very much yeah you get what you're given yeah. uh, there's uh, i'm just looking at here about uh, some of your um, sort of um uh, other work that you've done and uh, there's there's some there's some stuff here because you've done some work with uh, some pretty uh, uh, supporting kate tempest at one point or another uh, john Headley, yeah, arthur few, smith there's yeah. some there's some big names here on this list 
Yeah, the fall ones were terrifying. <laughs> yeah. um, because he, he's he got a bad reputation of throwing empty whiskey bottles at the support acts that he doesn't like. And also, it wasn't the fall who asked me to do them. It was the support acts got me in to introduce the support acts. Oh, right. So you stood on stage worried whether an empty bottle of whiskey is going to hit you from any angle. Um, but he didn't turn up to do his set till five minutes until he was on stage, so I got away with those. Um, <laughs> but it meant I never get to meet him or get glassed by him. Well, yeah, I was so, going to yeah. say, you, you, you survived with all your faculties intact. That's it. And, yeah. I mean, how, how is it when you... I mean, because as, as I say, those are, those are some fairly sort of household names in the in the poetry world, you know, you know, when you turn up to support Kate Tempest or John Hegley or, or whatever... Do, is is it the same as all the rest of us that when we when we do things? I mean, I, I've been, I I've, um, I went went to an event the other week uh, and and did a did a couple of lines and turned to my right and you were sat there with Dave Viney, two poets who I've seen live and I've, I'm sat there and I went, oh blimey, they're riding in the corner and suddenly I lost it. <laughs> <laughs> and and every every performer has that moment where they look at people and go, oh blimey, the really good ones are here. What are we gonna? Do, do, <laughs> do, does every, is it is everybody gets this or is it just me being ridiculous? No, no, everyone gets that, I think, yeah. It, uh, I think we just compare ourselves to each other far too much, don't we? Yeah, 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 we do. But that was a strange evening, though, because we ended up sat basically at the side of the stage. We were like, something to ward off for the second half of the last <laughs> half of the show, weren't we? Or the X Factor judges or something like that. Yeah, yeah we, gonna... we, we, were as, we were as visible to the rest of the audience as everyone else. So I, I wasn't happy about it either, to be honest, but... Yeah. I suppose it's one of those things as well. Again, with COVID, I've been trying to trying to do social distancing in an audience is really tricky because you, you're having to leave four or five gaps in the chairs. It makes it look half empty when, in fact, you've put more chairs in just so that you can kind of fill up the space as much as you can with people. Yeah, uh, and I felt sorry for Rob that night because obviously after the first act came off, he had to go on stage and say, "Please don't cheer." Yeah, um, but <laughs> then then Taz was on. Then why are you not going to cheer then? And also laughing, like laughing's projecting isn't yeah it? exactly welcome to a comedy evening but don't laugh too loudly please if that's i was okay. thinking if, if that was like the main policy of a comedy night it'd be great because <laughs> you, if you were told you weren't allowed to laugh the jokes could be garbage and you'd find them hilarious <laughs> yeah you just sit there absolutely excruciatingly trying desperately yeah. not to not to giggle um we're gonna we're gonna have a listen to your second music choice um now i've got to be really careful uh with this one because there was there's a word in there all right and i'm, I'm gonna have to do i'm doing do some very quick fading right but it was the one and i'm gonna i'm gonna be all right with it uh but you've chosen delaney davidson uh which uh, again oh, something in the office in the right? car wherever you are a compilation of voodoo records which said on the front uh music to ruin any party to <laughs> uh and i was like well that's gonna be good oh that's um, good for rossendale radio we'll go with that one <laughs> but it was um the, it's something about the atmosphere of this tune it makes me feel like i'm in a Dr. Seuss illustration with loads of horrible, <laughs> ugly little people running around carrying out some sort of unnecessary work. Fantastic. This is Lackey's Men. Welcome back to 104.7 Rossendale Radio. I'm speaking to Thick Richard, uh, and this is the uh, sadly the final part of our interview this afternoon about his life, his work, and various other bits and pieces. Um, and uh, and just uh, before, I think we've got another uh, piece to share uh, just to just to kind of finish up the the show. Uh, but uh, I, I'm just reading uh, from your bio that uh, this this radio malarkey is is stuff that you're used to, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I've done quite a lot of the radio stuff, and uh, yeah, I had a little thing on Radio Six for a bit that they paid me in whiskey and biscuits. I got paid for that. I was going to ask, is it beat of the day? 
Yeah, beat of the day. It ran for about four months, and it was a daily feature. And they gave me, they paid me in whiskey and biscuits. Oh, right. That's the BBC. That's the BBC. <laughs> Fortunately, I like whiskey and biscuits. So. Well, that's good. Was that a particular show, or was that uh, was that throughout the network? Um, yeah, and it, it was uh, it was on uh, it was on one particular show. It was broadcast at about five to six in the morning. So excellent. Uh, truckers heard it, <laughs> and um, it was only like a little five minute slot daily five minutes like but it was good fun to do it and this is the good thing about doing this today because i'm just in my bedroom now Mm. but uh radio studios can be quite claustrophobic and uh you know dark can't they well this i'm just laying my bed well i've just recently started presenting the breakfast show on tuesdays and thursdays and and it's only obviously the the clocks have gone back today and i've i've really struggled the last couple of weeks because of course i've been coming in at six o'clock in the morning and there's nothing there's nobody up nobody about traffic traffic reports nice and easy because it's like you know there's nobody out there um but it's it's a very lonely place first thing in the morning (laughs) yeah yeah imagine but uh yeah so it's uh, what so uh, uh, all of those things uh, sort of coming together you 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 six music work you um all you know the various different uh sort of public performances you've done uh and uh and of course the two books the the two books if if people are interested there's uh vaudevillain uh which is i think still available isn't it i think that's uh through oh, yeah, yeah. either through flapjack flapjack or amazon uh, and then the new one read them and weep which is available to order now and then you can get hold of it officially from tomorrow um and you've got another piece for us from read them and weep is that right uh yeah yeah, yeah so uh in the last book that i did there's a letter of complaint to round uh Round Trees, owned by Nestle. I found their the product to be most unsatisfactory. Uh, and then, luckily enough, I, I found another reason to complain to Nestle for this book. So this is another letter of complaint that I've written to him, and uh, it goes like this. Uh, oh, well, before I say it, actually, it, it's, it, it regards the, the multi-pack of Rolos that they sell. Oh, yes. the front of the packet, it says, um, uh, Do you love anyone enough? Which is referring to an ad campaign from the 80s and 90s that asked, do you love anyone enough to give them your last Rolo? Uh, Suggesting that Rolos are a very special thing. Oh, they're a very Um, romantic chocolate. uh, Well, yeah, they were, but then that ad campaign hasn't been on the telly for probably over 20 years. And so without that immediate cultural reference, I found these sweets to be extremely upsetting. So this is the the letter of complaint. I'll leave it with you. Dear Rolo. I bought a multi-pack of your Rolos from Quality Save about four months ago, which has subsequently caused me such introspective distress that I've only just become capable to feel emotionally of sending this message. Initially, I had planned on eating the sweets when I returned home from the shops, sat on my couch in front of the telly, I opened them, but before I could eat one, I noticed a question on the front of the packet in a lettering not much smaller than the product name, asking, do you love anyone enough? My hand that was holding the roller I was about to eat slowly lowered from my lips as I whispered out loud to myself the question so that I could truly understand exactly what the chocolates were asking me. Do I love anyone enough? They were not simply asking, do I love anyone? A question already incredibly inappropriate for a pack of sweets to be asking. No, the Rolos were quite specifically asking if I had ever loved anyone enough. A question that most adults won't even begin to contemplate until they experience the loss of a close family member and the inevitable feeling of regret that bereavement brings. So to say that the asking of this question was unexpected is a huge understatement. But, if you must know, after much heartbreaking deliberation, I have concluded that no, I do not or have not yet ever loved anyone enough. The Rolos have forced me to recognize the cold, emotionless wall that I have allowed to build up around myself, intended to protect me from the harshness of the world, but which has instead left me incapable of ever truly understanding the possibly mythical notion of love.
Once the tears subsided, I found myself wondering why would a company choose to place such a staggeringly melancholic thought in the mind of the customer about to enjoy their product? If it is really necessary of you to collect such data from your consumers, would a phone call not be more appropriate? I understand that an email or social media may come across a little frosty, but to ask such things via a packet of sweets is frankly outrageous and downright bewildering. The idea of returning to this packet of sweets is still too painful for me to consider. They remain open, but uneaten on the arm of my couch, gathering dust. Unloved, you could even say. But in return for my response that you so bluntly asked for, you could perhaps tell me why. Why was all this pain necessary? What have you gained from this knowledge? What do you plan to do with this information now that you've obtained it? And why are the packets half the size that they were 10 years ago? Kind regards, Thick Richard. Cheers. <laughs> it's tr- it's the same for everybody. It's that, you know, everything's smaller, everything's less than it was, and yet you're still asking us to love it as much as you did before. Um, yeah. It's one. It, it's very nice. I, I think, was it cathartic getting it out there? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really good writing letters of complaint, especially to Nestle. Bombard them <laughs> with every, everything that you can find. Well, I was going to say, I look forward to uh, to, to the next time that uh, the, the Milky Bar ends up in your sights. Uh, that's probably next on your list. Yeah. I uh, you, know, write, you need to write an ode to the Milky Bar, kid. Um, well, um, sadly, we're, get, we're coming up to time because uh, uh, we have to play adverts and news and things like that as well. Uh, but yeah. uh, you've, you've got an absolute... I mean, this is... this. Where has where this song come from? Cookie Scene, the Go Team. Oh, the Go Team. I'm, I'm a big fan of American vocal, uh, uh, Sesame Street style skipping rope chant hip hop, which <laughs> sounds like quite a niche uh, bracket. And a lot of record stores don't have that section. Uh, but, you know, there's uh, things like uh, Fanny Pack. Uh, the Go Team really provide for that, you know, crowd. Um, Shagrala's Bulldog. Uh, Hitsville UK by The Clash all those kind of tunes yeah they're, they're my kind of thing and I was working with a chef once and I was playing this um, the goat and uh, fanny pack and stuff and he came over and he was like I see you coming into work every day like you know looking really glaring at everybody in a big black overcoat he's like this is what you're listening to on your headphones and I'm like yeah yeah grumpy on the outside party on the inside that's that's me and if you check out if you check out the video on YouTube as well it's the most psychedelic 80s funk thing going on in I, I swear I'm, I'm, I'm tripping out just even thinking about it quite frankly I love the go team it's yeah, wonderful great. Uh, thank you so much for being our guest this afternoon uh, of course this will be available as a podcast next week uh, so it's uh, if we head to Flapjack Press uh, we'll uh, we'll be able to, to catch your launch and uh, be able to catch the new book uh, and right. uh, we'll uh, we'll try and promote that as much as we can and uh, and obviously the podcast out next week Thick Richard, thank you so much. This is the Go Team. Thank you. See you later. Playing more of the songs you like. This is 104.7 Rossendale Radio. And there we go. Another Waffle the Bite Size podcast comes to an end. My thanks, of course, to Thick Richard for coming on the show uh, and uh, sharing his work with us. <laughs> he has some fits of giggles here in the studio. Uh, and of course, um, I thoroughly recommend, if you get the chance, once we're out of all this, uh, I do thoroughly recommend going to see him live because it's uh, a tour de force, I think is the way that you would describe these things. Uh, and his new book looks absolutely fantastic. I am uh, pleased enough to say that my copy is pre-ordered. It is winging its way via the postal system to me. Uh, and at some 
point or another, I will most definitely be giving you uh, a bit of a glimpse into uh, what I found in the book because it looks like, uh, from those uh, people I know have seen it in advance, uh, it really does sound like it's a fantastic piece of work. Thank you very much, Jim, for coming on the show. And of course, uh, I need to say thank you to everybody uh, who allows Waffle the Bite Size podcast to go ahead. That's our fantastic team at Rossendale Radio. Thank you so much for all your support as ever. And of course, to Melanie Kemp for all of her work editing Waffle the Bite Size podcast. We will be back with you next week with another great guest. Take care, everybody, and we will see you very, very soon.